0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Father-Son Packers Podcast. My name is Tommy, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt. We are here with you now on a Friday afternoon. Unfortunately, we were unable to record last night during our usual time on Thursday. We apologize for that. But we still wanted to bring you that same new content that you always love and crave and do our pregame for the Packers Sunday matchup against the Washington Commanders. And as always, Dad, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm in East Coast
1: time zone, so... Everything's a little bit out of whack, but uh, I'm here in the land of the enemy of our previous two weeks.
0: Yeah, if if only you could have brought us some good luck to. to, Against those New Jersey teams? Against those New Jersey teams the last two weeks. But unfortunately, we took the L those past two weeks, but the Packers are looking to bounce back on Sunday, and we are here to break down that game for you, as well as, more specifically, what we want to see out of the Packers so that we have a little more faith in this team that they're not going to lose to the Bills the week after by 50. But anyway, <laughs> we are here right. to break this game down. Do you want to just get right down to it, Dad? we got a lot to talk about. Yeah, let's get going. Uh, start with the injury report. Always. So like we always do for our pregames, we like to start with the injury report. It's looking very lengthy for the Commanders and a little shorter for the Packers. So slight advantage there. And I'm just going to read them off right now for the Green Bay Packers. Christian Watson will be out with the hamstring injury he sustained in the Giants game. It's unfortunate. You'd really like to see him get back on the field. He provides a really nice speed element that the Packers don't necessarily have without him. Randall Cobb will be out with an ankle injury he sustained in the Jets game. Two to six weeks for Cobb is what it sounds like, according to reports by Rob Domofsky. Um, better than it could have been, but still going to miss him, and he might end up going on IR for a little bit. Although with that two weeks as the lower time frame of the window, maybe he'll they'll just let him kind of ride it out and then jake hansen will be out with a biceps injury sustained in that jets game interesting to see if he ends up with any kind of ir designation biceps injuries are usually a bit more long term season ending i have i haven't actually heard any details yet about how severe that is and what they expect have you have you heard anything more i have also not heard any more and then going forward on the packers injury report we're still waiting to see if Watkins will play right Um, he's not
1: even on the injury report because he's still on ir but they're basically reporting as he is questionable to play on Sunday. It's, it's not out of the cards.
0: Yeah, they could since activate the last second. Since he
1: practiced uh, the, la- the last couple days.
0: Yes, but I would not hold my breath on that. I think they're going to give him I would not either. Another I think week. he would help
1: if he, when he is able to go.
0: Yeah, but you know hamstring injuries and his history yeah. of hamstring injuries gave me as much time. Uh, what, so unfortunate. Then moving over to the commander's side... Uh, Carson Wentz, as we stated um, last week, or as you might have heard last week, uh, Carson Wentz, their normal starting quarterback, is going to be out. Uh, So Taylor Heineke will get the start for the Commanders this week. Deami Brown, one of their deep threat receivers, uh, is going to be out this week. William Jackson, one of their starting corners, is going to be out this week. Logan Thomas, their starting tight end, is going to be out this week. Jonathan Williams, one of their backup running backs, is also going to be out this week. Then moving on down for the questionable designations for the commanders, John Bates, one of their other tight ends, only practiced Friday and was limited after being a DNP on Wednesday and Thursday, so they might be very thin at that tight end room. Sam Cosmi, their starting right tackle, uh, is questionable with a finger injury. He practiced limited every single day this week, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and he has missed the last two games with that same finger injury, so something to keep an eye on if they're going to have mm. their preferred starter back after some time off. And then the last one, as I think the most interesting, and his list is listed as questionable, but I would be extremely surprised to be played, is Jahan Dotson, their first-round rookie wide receiver, the 18th overall pick in the 2022 NFL Draft. Um, if you follow fantasy football at all, you might have seen a video going around that on Thursday practice, he tried to run a route on air and really came up limping with the same hamstring injury that had been bothering him for the past few weeks. He looked really frustrated, and it looked like... It wasn't any kind of good news. He immediately grabbed his hamstring, and then he did not practice on Friday either. So I would be very surprised if he played. Any thoughts on any of those injuries, Packers or Commanders or otherwise, Dad?
1: Um, I think one of the big things will be you know, if Cosme plays. I think they have two good starting tackles, but if they lose one of them, that could be a big deal. Their interior O-line is not as good. Um, so that'll that'll be something interesting to keep an eye on, um, and I, and the fact that he actually missed last week, I don't know what you know. If he hadn't missed last week, I may have been more inclined to think he's on the the right side of questionable for them. But I now I'm, I'm maybe he's a little more truly questionable. I'm not quite sure what to make of that. Yeah, and for I, the Packers, I felt
0: like just on Cosme really quick. I felt like watching last week's game for them against the Bears that they really struggled to protect Wentz. And if they continue to be without their preferred starting O-line, I would imagine that, that those struggles would persist.
1: Yeah. The other thing that surprised me is that um, I was a little worried when Jenkins show, switched from a limited on Thursday to a DNP Friday, but then had no injury designation. He was like riding mm, that's the bike good on catch. the sideline, but then didn't have an injury designation. So that was – I guess it was just some kind of maintenance day or whatever. So that was good. Scheduled rest. The other thing about the injury news is like Wentz is out and Heineke's in.
0: I almost would rather face Wentz. I, we were talking about this before we started recording. I would a hundred percent rather face Wentz right now. Heineke provides a, I think, much more dynamic playmaking side yeah. of things. Just, he's not, he's not as good of like a pocket passer, like thrower of the football. I think if you take a seventeen-game sample size, you probably get a better record with Wentz. But Heineke, his mobility, and well, right. he's kind we can just, just go right gamer. into the last time they met. If we want to keep talking yeah. about Heineke, that's a blast really a good point. Blast from, blast from the past. So for for our blast from the past, we'd like to take a look at the last time these two teams played when it's relevant. And it's extremely relevant, extremely relevant in this case because the Packers and Commanders played just last year when the Commanders were the Washington football team. And Taylor Heineke was starting for them. He did throw a pick and fumbled twice and was sacked four times. Packers did beat Washington 24 to 10. But Heineke did throw for 268 yards and ran for 95 yards. And I remember yeah. watching that game that it felt like they were having trouble containing him. Absolutely, he he was looking like Lamar Jackson out there against the Packers last year, and that's
1: the thing I, that worries me the most about having Heineke instead of Wentz. Um, Heineke is much more mobile than Wentz was. Maybe you know Wentz before he had his original ACL injury. Wentz was pretty mobile, but he has not been the same. I think since since. Then. yeah. Um,
0: and but Heineke, that's, he's just kind of one of those guys, and you could you could say that hey, they only scored ten points. That's true, but just looking at the drives Washington had, if you don't remember this game, they had a field goal blocked at the Green Bay 24-yard line. They turned. They had a turnover on downs at the Green Bay 27-yard line. They had a turnover on downs at the Green Bay 1-yard line. They had a turnover on downs at the Green Bay 3-yard line, and then they threw an interception at the Green Bay 12-yard line. So they were moving the ball into the Packers' red zone consistently with Heineke. It's just they couldn't quite get it in the end zone. So I and think if you that remember, the, the stats are kind of misleading on their scoring.
1: One of those turnover on downs was when Heineke basically dove um, for the end zone. And because he was a quarterback diving, he was down as soon as his knee touched the ground, millimeters short of the end zone, and then yeah. they couldn't get it in. So yeah. if it feels like any other player on the team running that play, it's a touchdown.
0: Yeah, pretty much the Packers got bailed out by a, a bad rule, in my opinion, on that one. But just to... Just to note that Heineke I thought played really well in that game and the commanders just were really unlucky in the Packer in like in the red zone. And I don't know if that kind of defense that is kind of luck. sustainable and should be taken at all as predictive going into this game. But yeah, so that's our blast from the past. I think that those ninety five rushing yards for Heineke wouldn't be surprised if he has ninety five again this weekend. I feel like of those kind of little quirks
1: from last year, that seems like the most likely Thing to be sustainable from game to game mm-hmm. is his rushing ability, and we'll see. We've had pa- difficulties with running quarterbacks in the past. So we we haven't had quarterbacks get very many yards on us yet, but we also haven't had really been challenged because the the best running quarterback we faced so far
0: was well Daniel
1: Jones. Probably Fields. Oh, Fields. Yeah, Fields. But the but the Chicago offense is such a dumpster fire. It's hard to say yeah. that anything matters from that game. That's true. And but, Daniel but Jones and, was playing on a bad Jones ankle. Jones was playing on a so. bad ankle, right. So you didn't really get tested in that way.
0: It's definitely going to be something to keep an eye on, and we'll talk about this a bit later, but I do want the Packers to play more man this game, but it is going to leave you open to some Heineke scrambling. And we'll talk yeah. about that going forward. But, Dad, so do you want to kind of touch? Uh, let's, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, so let's go on a little bit more th- Yeah, sort
1: of points on, on, on Commander's World.
0: Yes, As Dad, do were. you want to give it, tell us what's going on in Commander's World? <laughs> a little bit more going on, on in the Commander's field, world. <laughs> because off the field is an absolute nightmare of a franchise. They're, this guy has been one of the worst owners in professional sports, in the, at least in North America, for a while now. For decades. But And if you didn't know, the other owners are trying to force him out because he's an absolute scumbag <laughs> in a world of scumbags. So you know he's that right. bad. You know this guy. Well, I guess there are two things.
1: If... A group of 30 billionaire, selfish, whatever you want to call them, are tired of putting up with one other dude.
0: If, everyone doesn't, like, if everyone doesn't like here. you, yeah, it's a no. you problem. But that's, it's a but you that's problem, all, not
1: a them problem.
0: Exactly. And we could talk about the commander's ownership issues with Dan Snyder until the cows come home. But that's not what this podcast yeah. is about. Dad, this, take us through what's but, going but on with them on the field.
1: For why there have been a dumpster fire for so long. That's fair. But anyway, but there are a couple of things. So that yeah, they're doing the the Carson Wentz experiment so far doesn't really seem to be working. Um, no. Even his own coach said, "What's the what's what's the biggest issue with your team, or why are these other teams in the in your division doing well?" It's like, One well,
0: word answer: quarterback. Quarterback. One word man, answer: man. It's like, why don't you drive the bus over him a couple more times? Yeah, and back make it sure up. Sure, you and, really again. did the job. Make sure yeah. you really got you drove the Ouch. point home. He did um, walk it back a little bit, and then after the game on Thursday versus the Bears, he was like very fired up defending Carson Wentz. And I'm just like, okay, you're you're are trying you back a on little. Your meds? No, you're, it's like you're trying a little too hard. It's like, yeah, that was. I don't want to. Really I don't want to make any your your back on your meds jokes, but but it's it's like he. I think he was just trying to like Walked essentially back some of his, overcompensate. Uh, he was overcompensating for what he had done. Previously. For how badly he had thrown him under the bus. Yeah, and then the other things are going on. It's like,
1: um, rookie running back Brian Robinson is out and playing. This is the guy, if you remember, who got shot in the leg in a attempted carjacking, I think it was, in the preseason. And he got lucky that as it passed through his knee, it didn't damage any like uh, critical you know, ligaments or tendons. Yeah, and he had um, his first game so back last week. And he was uh, basically a starter last week, I think. He's
0: starting to oh, slowly ramp his way up. By far the most carries. You know what they call them? Bulletproof B Rob. <laughs> That's what they call them. I had to make sense. And then some other general thoughts
1: on the team. Um, for the commanders overall, they're like bottom three offensive grades by a lot of metrics uh, ESPN and Football Outsiders on their, their blocking ability, run and pass. Um, That's without Heineke, though. It's about the Heineke show. Right. They don't have to block. He's just going to take off and run. Um and but on D however they're pretty good eleventh overall, um nineteenth but only night much better against the run in the pass. nineteenth against the pass and fifth against the run. Ugh, um, I think not by football I, that's not outsiders. what I want to hear. Yeah, not when the Packers
0: and, all the Packers can really do is run the ball. It's not I, what I, wanna, I wanna this hear. is the. the as I looked at
1: some of these numbers like oh this is exactly the kind of thing that gives them trouble in some yeah. ways and they're and by football outsiders their their uh their D line is um is really good at the sack rate is really good which you mm-hmm. know you, you we look at the individual personnel later then just you see why
0: yeah and do you want to kind of hop into that use that as a segue yeah way? so let's
1: go on and start talking about it, um a our general bit more, thoughts on the game. what makes them a tough matchup yeah. on the on the game so why don't you why don't you, you want to jump in with your uh with your thoughts yeah, then sp-
0: speaking of pass rush uh, the packers interior was really bad last week and they're going to have just as big of a challenge this week. I mean, they were getting smoked by Quinn and Williams that, last week, and they're going to Washington this week, and they're going to have to play against Jonathan Allen, who, uh, according to PFF, has 21 pressures on the year, and Deron Payne, who, according to PFF, has 20 pressures on the year. For reference, Kenny Clark has 19. So essentially, the Packers' offensive line is going to have to be going against two guys of Kenny's caliber or borderline Kenny's caliber on p- pass rushing, and that makes for a very tough matchup especially when you include the fact that montez sweat on on the edge is no slouch himself i mean that guy is a former first round pick and a beast in his own right so that entire defensive front for the commanders even without um uh what is his name can you help me out really quick the uh second oh well uh, chris young no young. i don't think it's chris but it's uh, not Young. but it's uh what's his first name but the guy from ohio state
1: Yes. The, uh, the defense, the end and rusher. Chase Young. Uh, rusher, Thank you. Chase Young. Chase Young. Yes.
0: Started with CH. Ch- I was close. I was going to say. It, it had an S in
1: it. I had three of the letters right.
0: This isn't Wordle. <laughs> Good try, though. Um, but, well, I'm sure that's how you got
1: got Chase from Chris, because you played Wordle with the name I started with you.
0: Uh, yes, of course. I actually, <laughs> my producer pulled it up really quick. But anyway, um, that's even without Chase Young out there, uh, who has been out with injury. But just those three guys alone really, I think, are going to, provide a pretty big, pretty tall task for the Packers O-line, especially coming off a really rough week. Um, so John Runyon, Josh Myers, and Royce Newman, and or whoever is starting whoever's at right guard. going to be that right guard. Buckle up because they're coming, and it's it's going to be it's tough. still, yeah. And I Just think that's... It's another game of dudes on the other side of the line. And I think that's going to be... That's one of the things that makes the commanders, the I think, the, a really big... Ask this week, but what do you have for what makes them a tough matchup? Yeah, so I was also talking about their their pa- the pass
1: rush having some dudes, and, and specifically specifically um, Jonathan Allen and Montez Sweat, who are both you know and PFF have very good pass rushing grades, and Sweat also has a very good run defense grade, um, much well that Allen much better than Allen's, and so they for their uh, front those two had the best. Um, past rushing grades as opposed to, you know, they gave the, the total pressure numbers and sweat has the best run defense grade on their defensive front. It's a really um, talented
0: D line. It's a really yeah, talented D line. And they've
1: been building that with high picks for a while now. Uh, and th- then of course uh, there was a chance at one point uh, in the beginning of the season, there was, we thought there was a chance that chase young might be back in time for this game, but they are still working him now yeah. to see when he's ready. And the other thing I have about, about, um, as again, on again, their defense, are their safeties are actually quite good. Um, both mm-hmm. of them, uh, Curl and Forrest, they both have really good grades in coverage, um, specifically. Better than their, the coverage grades for their cornerbacks, which is something we can talk about. I think the Packers might be able to take advantage of. we got to watch out for those those safeties.
0: Yeah, and the other thing I wanted to just quickly touch on that I think gives the commanders a bit of an advantage is unscouted looks and extra preparation. So the Commanders are coming off a Thursday night game in their last game, so they've had 10 days to prep. And they have a brand-new quarterback, and it's Taylor Heineke's brand-new, quote-unquote, Taylor Heineke's first start of the year. It's probably going to be a similar offense to last year, I would imagine, but I think you can certainly expect that there's going to be some stuff that's brand-new that no no team has seen yet, and that's going to make for, I think, a tougher matchup for the Packers than it would normally be. But anyway, Dad, I think yeah, that's so you, most you of what have we the, have. But there's score. also like they've got
1: the mini buy as well they're coming off of. That's they what yeah, and, that's what I was I was oh, saying. They had uh, ten days yeah, yeah. since their Thursday night. They had game. ten
0: days and we've got there's a brand new quarterback. Yeah.
1: yeah. Exactly.
0: So But that's kind of what makes the Packers the Commanders a tough matchup. Um how do we think that they're gonna try to specifically exploit the Packers? What are you thinking on that?
1: So I was looking over some of the numbers and and something I think they're gonna try to do. Of course, if they watch anybody else, they're gonna try to run the ball. Um you know, with uh, with uh, the way the, the Giants and especially the Jets uh, performed against him. But I don't think they have anybody who's as good as Brees Hall right now. Um, We don't know how good Brian Robinson's going to be. He's still, I think, pretty early in his return from his injury. And they have never been happy with Antonio Gibson as a runner. They keep looking for somebody to replace him or keep taking work away from him in favor of somebody else. So I don't think the run offense has actually been all that great this year. Um but there are a couple other things they do. Um, they're missing their best deep threat, who is De'Ami Brown. And at least in a sh- small number of games, Jahan Dotson was also being very effective in the red zone getting touchdowns. So they're really they're down to their, their their two best receivers left are Terry McLaurin, who is a stud, though he's not getting enough work this year. It's kind of funny how that it seems. So he's, I guess, still leading the team in yards and targets. And um, Curtis Curtis Samuel. Samuel. Yep. and Curtis Samuel in some ways is almost an extension of the run game. He gets his average depth of target is is fairly short. It's like five yards um, per tar- per target. And Terry McLaurin is more sort of mid range, around like the ten yard yard range. And, and uh, Dotson is around like that, in kind of intermediate range. And, and De'Ami Brown was was way downfield.
0: Yeah, and I t- saw you had something down based on you were talking about that short depth of target. You had something down there about Heineke enjoy like. Yeah, Looking for I, those short um, and, targets.
1: And there was, I don't know if there's like stuff floating around somewhere. I read, like, well, they're not going to be thrown so deep because, uh, you know, Hence, Wentz is going to like chuck it every once in a while. But their average um, depth of target, you know, as quarterbacks it was very similar. Last year, Heineke was 3.9 and Wentz, when he was on Indianapolis, was 4.2 yards downfield. And this year, Wentz is 3.8. So I think we should, we actually see in terms of like the, um, vertically downfield. Da- um, yeah. downfield for the passes they'll be kind of similar which I wasn't necessarily expecting when I started looking through the data before I started looking through the data um, the other thing that I think they might try to take advantage of is both McLaurin and Samuel have some um, yards after catch potential mm-hmm. and so I think they'll be looking to get them in space and for them to break some tackles because
0: well that's the Can thing I- this year against the Packers Mind if I hop in here? Because that's exactly what I have for uh, how I think that the commanders might try and take advantage of the Packers. I pretty much have that down to a T. Um, so the Packers, like you said, have not tackled well at all so far this year. Per PFF, uh, they have the 19th worst tackling grade as a team. Same as the Bears. They're tied with the same exact grade as the Bears. And they, are, after being the second best in this metric last year. So a clear downgrade, yeah. which we are also noticing with the eye test. So I would Can expect I just Curtis interject- Samuel. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. One little comment. As a Packer
1: fans, if you hear the phrase tied with the Bears for anything, that's Bad. not good news it's right now. It's not good
0: news, no. But I would expect Curtis Samuel and Antonio Gibson. I actually think Antonio Gibson is going to get a lot of work in this game. Um, Rivera said that after their Thursday night game that he wanted to get Gibson more involved this week after they, quote-unquote, got, uh, got away from him in the second half. I expect both of these guys, um, as well as McLaurin, to be given a lot of opportunities to get the ball in space and they're both quite dynamic after the catch um gibson was a receiver in college and i would imagine they're going to get a lot of touches and force the packers to see if they can figure out how to tackle again because they haven't been able to figure <laughs> it out this year but it's been very rough especially at the linebacker position the tackling has not been good enough um besides that the other thing i i think that the commanders are going to try and do is hit that old command C command V on the jets game plan. They have the horses to do it. Um, specifically the jets game plan up front along the D line, just four man stunts and twists. I, I think that there's no reason that they're not just going to run the exact same thing unless it doesn't work in the first quarter, first half, because the Packers show have shown time and time again this year that they cannot handle a stunt. They can't handle, uh, just a basic four-man rush with some like games up front, and the Washington Commanders have really good options there to run those kind of games. Um, and I would expect them to try and take advantage of the Packers there because there's no reason to think they can't. Is is pretty much my logic, and unless the Packers prove to me that they have shored up some of these issues along the O line, they've shored up some of these communication problems along the O line specifically. I would expect the commanders to have a significant advantage there.
1: Yeah, and that's going to be some of the things we keep, we're keep. we going to keep an eye out for as well as how, how this goes. Yeah, but um, do you want to
0: kind of move on to maybe the bright side and just touch quickly on how we think the Packers might try and take advantage of the commanders the other way?
1: Yeah, so one thing to keep in mind, I think this is going to be the worst team the Packers have played so far this year besides the Bears. I was going to say. Don't forget the Bears.
0: I was gonna say, it was like you. <laughs> not the not worst be overall. The
1: worst, besides the Bears.
0: We're um, honestly not really in that good of a position to be talking trash to the Bears. <laughs> I, I love doing it, but it's not like we're any good. I was gonna so. say we gotta enjoy something this season. You make some good points. You make some good points.
1: Um, but uh, the one thing about Washington is they're, they're So I mentioned their safeties actually being pretty good in coverage. Their their corners, however, are not. I don't think there's a single corner who had an above average grade. On, by PFF and coverage, so I think that's something we can exploit. And so I, I would like to see them. Um, so, so maybe we'll see more passes to the wide receivers who are being um, guarded by corners. So there are other things to look at for, at for as well. But Green Bay should be able to target them, and maybe that will mean you know less um, deep down the middle where the safeties are going to make be more in. in um, in position to make a play and more out of the boundaries, we'll see. Of course, that's going kind to of play to what Rodgers want to do lately, and maybe one of the things that in, might want to see systematically change. The other thing I expect them to do, or I hope that they'll do, is to look look to see where Sweat is and then run
0: to away. the other side, <laughs> run, run away
1: because <laughs> he's he's been by far their best run defender, and their linebackers are actually not good either. They're 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 I think they're for for coverage or run, po- possibly, okay, now, or at I'm least not, not grading out well. N- right, we're not grading out well. Um, I think that's true for the for their linebackers in in both coverage and run defense, if I remember correctly. And then yeah. on D, the um, how, how I think the uh, Packers may exploit uh, the Commanders off the Packers D may exploit the Commanders offense is though they're. Their tackle pass blocking is good. They're they're very weak in the middle. Their guards and their center in particular are are weak in pass blocking. So I expect Green Bay to take pressure up the middle. Let's Another thing Kenny. maybe ex- expect may, the Packers maybe try to do is unleash Preston Smith against the Commanders. He was so excited last year to have a chance to play against them after being starting his career with them. And then like the only game of his career he's missed, I think.
0: Yeah, so it's the only he game he's ever be, missed.
1: He should be kind of. Fired up. uh, Fired up for this game.
0: Yes. But so for me, the things that I think, (laughs) I don't know. I sat down to write.
1: I like your first note there.
0: Yes. I sat down to write what I thought the Packers might try to take advantage of for the commanders. And the first thing I, I sat there for about three minutes and I was like, I, I just wrote down, I don't even know anymore. Because honestly, I think that this is not a good matchup for the Packers. I think that the things, just like I did with the Jets, I think that the things the commanders do well, like stopping the run and having good interior D-line and having a mobile quarterback and having guys who force missed tackles in space are all things that the Packers struggle with. And I think that the things that the commanders are deficient at, such as, like you said, having poor corner play um, and poor middle linebacker coverage grades packers don't really have the receivers to punish them there and the packers they haven't been hitting the middle of the field since the tampa bay game so it does seem to me that this is just a real another team that you would think is worse than the packers but matches up really well with them and is going to give them a lot of troubles and just makes you think maybe hey if all these teams that we think are not good teams are really good matchups against the Packers. Maybe the Packers aren't that good a team. But anyway,
1: yeah, that I that, think
0: that's not that's not off the table. Yeah, and I think In fact so, it's filling up more and more of the table. What I came up with was I think hopefully the Packers will be able to use the screen game a little more this week. Although that does come down to the O line doing the right things in in the in that in those games. Um I think that would help slow down the commander's pass rush a little bit at least, especially in the interior, just that make them think a little bit. And I think if Cosme doesn't play um, or if he does play, um, hopefully he'll be a little bit rusty coming off of injury he hasn't played in two weeks and maybe get Heineke kind of flustered back there and put some pressure through, him. by going through Cosme, put some pressure on him and cause him to make mistakes and commit turnovers like he did last time. And hopefully they can do that. But that I think the meat, Of this episode that at least I wanted to spend it on. Is this next part. Because to me at least. For this team. And the stakes for this team going into the year. One game against the Commanders. Even if they win. If they win ugly against the Commanders. I'm not. It's not going to move the needle for me. And so what I think we wanted to take a second. Is. What would the. What do we want to see the Packers do in this game that would give us some more hope for the season and give us some relief that they are at least moving in the right direction. And I think this is kind of what we wanted to spend the most time on is what can we see in this game where be like, okay, I like that development, specifically the word development. I think that this is something they can build off of. I think this is something they can build an identity off of. And kind of what do we what do we really want to see in this game? What is our wish list as we're coming up towards the quote unquote holiday season? We're about to start. Forty two
1: to seven Packers win.
0: I not you said wish yes, list.
1: You said wish list.
0: Yes, but <laughs> I guess what are the specific things that you want to see from the Packers in this game? Where you're like, okay, that's something that will change my overall perception of the team.
1: Right. So. I would say the biggest thing is going to be offensive line play and being assignment-sure in offensive line play. One of the things that was very interesting, Dan Orlovsky, I think it was, had this analysis of Packers O-line play, and ran through a few plays and showed how one person screwing up on a play with their assignment blew the whole thing up. And there are a couple times where you know they, they, they had an open receiver but couldn't get it off because somebody missed a block, or there's pressure or tackle in the backfield because of one person um, missing their assignment. So, and and going into this year, I thought before the season started, one of the biggest things that could improve compared to last, compared to the end of last year, you know, say like oh we lost that playoff game. Where can we get? Where do we see room for this offense to improve? Especially if we lost Devontae Adams. And I thought before the season started, the chance for improvement was O line. We getting Bakhtiari and Jenkins back, getting our two best offensive linemen back that we've missing last from last year. So the big thing I want to see are improvement in the offensive, the offensive line's ability to just do their freaking job that's in front of you. Don't like go out of position, miss your block, just fail to see somebody coming around. Talk to each other and know who's blocking whom. And then the other thing that is, is I think,
0: well, that is that. Uh, that's let's let's go one. back and let's go back and forth. That is okay. number one for me as well, and I agree. So you were saying the biggest room for improvement from last year to this year was the offensive line, and that's how you it, thought they would make the jump within but, the off within the yes, offense within the offense. I think that that should be step one of things to fix right now because it is the cause of all of the problems on offense. If they can't, they could not block. A soul versus the Jets. They couldn't block anyone on offense or special teams. But since we're specifically talking about the O line, I think the big thing that I really want to see, besides picking up more stunts, besides communicating better, I think like five, six games into the year, I think it's time to see a different starting offensive line. And I think the Packers might think this too, because they had benched Royce Newman by halftime of the last game and put in Jake Hansen. That's how desperate they were. They put Jake <laughs> Hansen in for a spark, which is I was incredulous about, but of course Jake Hansen unfortunately got injured almost immediately during that 2-minute drive and Royce Newman came one drive. in. And, yeah, and Royce Newman came in and finished the game. I don't see unless he makes a massive jump in play and I hope he does. I don't see how you can consider this O-line to be competitive when you're trying to be a run-first offense and keep Royce out there. I think Royce Newman is a serviceable backup. He's a good 6th or 7th guy, but it's just not working. He is getting obliterated by any good <laughs> interior D-lineman you play. Dexter Lawrence killed him. Quinnen Williams killed, Quinnen Williams killed him and Runyon, to be fair to Royce Newman. Everyone on the line could get it. Everyone was just getting their asses beaten in that game. But I think you need to take a look at the weak link on the offensive line. And whether it's bringing Nyman in to play right tackle and moving Elton to right guard. Whether it's bringing Zach Tom in play a little right, to play right guard or right tackle. Whether it's even trying something crazy. I, I'm not even sure what else you could really try at this point. Whether or not you're doing something like a big shuffle and moving Elton back to left guard, running over to right guard, even though he said he didn't want to play it, and then putting Yash at right tackle. Whatever it takes, I would like to see a new starting offensive line in this game because I can't say for certain it's going to be better, but it's worth trying at this point. It's been six games of poor offensive line play when you have four. You're returning the whole O-line, to be fair. And Royce is worse than he was last year, so I think some of that is on coaching and not having Stenevich in that room. I think not having Stenevich in the O-line room is was super under-talked about this offseason, and the brain yeah. drain of the coaching staff was not talked enough about in the offseason. They lost so many important minds to how the offense we, worked. Mean, but yeah, I think had that years I think that the big thing is they need to try something, and Royce, it's just not working right now.
1: Yeah, what else is it? We've had several years where it just seems like the offensive line coaching was so good it almost didn't matter who he threw out there as a unit, yeah. they were always performing well. And now they just can't get it right. And so it's time to try something new. And I would like to see, yeah, I, I agree with I want to see them be willing as a you know, to coach to like examine what they're doing and say, This isn't working, let's try something different.
0: And for the longest time, I was of the mind that you let Elton play right tackle, he's your right tackle of the future, you give him some time. He's coming off a torn ACL. I know he hasn't looked great there, but I think he has earned the right with his play the last few years to have for us to have patience with him at right tackle. This is not about Elton's play at right tackle to me. This is about how poorly the line is playing as a unit and about the overall philosophy of the O-line that they've had the last few years that has worked incredibly and that has put the five best guys out there and figure the positions out from there. And for some reason, they've completely gone away from that this year. Because if you told me that Royce Newman is one of the five best offensive linemen on this team, I would say you're wrong. I would because say he's not. Yeah,
1: you, you just, he's not. Just, just Josh
0: Newman is better than him. Look and I know at either Josh, the
1: tape or the numbers. If you're a numbers person, you wouldn't believe it. If you're a tape person, you wouldn't believe
0: it. And I and I know this is a bit of a man because no one thinks that I don't think anyone thinks that Royce is better than Yash at offensive line, and I will say that Yash struggled a bit to start the year at left tackle. He did not have the as good of a start to the year as last year, which I think again points to coaching. I think that people should look at Luke Butkus and be like, "Hey, why are you not? Why is the performance so much worse now that Stenovich isn't in that room? Like, why is the downgrade so stark when the players are the same?" Um. And I think, why aren't the five best players starting? Usually, that is a lot of that call is made by the position coaches. And I I do think, actually, overall, the more that I think about it, the offensive coaching staff needs to take a long, hard look at Luke Butkus and the job he's doing with the offensive line because the communication is terrible. The execution is bad. You have the exact same players as... Stenovich did and he put together one of the best offensive lines in the league and you can't put together one that can handle a four-man rush you're not putting the best guys out there every single individual player has gotten worse this year along the o-line except for bakhtiari um and he didn't even play last year so that's what's yeah. the point of even mentioning that every individual player is worse the unit as a whole is worse the decisions made on who is playing are bad i think people they need to take a long hard look at luke Buckus and be like hey this is not up to the standard right now. Right. And, and the thing about
1: that, uh, in some regards for the for the standard, is like if you remember the last few years, they were willing to do all kinds of shuffling around. Billy Turner to guard, Billy Turner to right tackle, Billy Turner to left tackle, Elton Jenkins to left guard, Elton Jenkins left tackle. They were moving people around a lot, and they just don't seem to be willing to do much of that this year. One thing I will say is Bakhtiari does seem to be getting better as the yes. season's going on. So I agree. That's, that is good to
0: see. It's good to see, but I think and I think part of their unwillingness to move these guys around comes down to like, what was it that made all these players so comfortable at all these different positions? They were trotting Alex Light out there at tackle, and he was doing better than this O line is doing right now. I mean Stenovich made it so that these guys were comfortable at all these different positions, and I think Butkus just is not. Is the players are not playing well enough individually or collectively, and I think it's a lot of it's on coaching, and I think Stenovich needs to get back in their room. But I think we've talked a lot about the O line; it is the most important thing for the Packers right now. Dad, do you want to go on to your next item on your wish list for what you would need to see from the Packers to improve your, their standing in your mind? So one thing I'd like to see in terms of right. So this is little this little big picture
1: of what we want to believe the Packers are getting better. So this is like what we need to see to have more faith in the team. I want to see the defense maintain performance for two halves. They've had games like they look great for a while and then it just goes off the rail for like, you know, two, three, four, five drives in a row. Mm -hmm. So can we just, you know, maintain the level of performance we've started the games with for a couple of games rather than falling off?
0: Yep, As the, the Giants game, game on. The Giants game and the Jets game were the exact same way where there was a stretch of three or four drives, 7 minutes, 80 yards, 5 minutes, 60 yards. Like scores on consecutive like three to four possessions in a row and I mean you're, the defense is too talented for that. That can't happen.
1: Yeah. I want to see the defense wrecking. I want to see the defense going out there and blowing up plays and and hitting for
0: losses dislodging the ball. The idea for the Saxon's defense back. going Saxon's into the year the was they would be the tone-setting like phase of this team, is they would be the identity of this team. And I know it's a lot to ask for them, but you're getting paid to do that. You know, and the, 20- the offense, they gave up. like They gave up essentially the ability to be a dominant offensive team, or like truly dominant, when they phased away from having a star receiver and invested in this defense with the understanding that this defense would be holding good teams to like points right. in the teens and shutting out bad teams. And right now they're, they're, they're very mediocre and they're so inconsistent. Right. And
1: if you look at what they did with the capital, they got from the Adams trade, the, the, the cap capital re-signing Douglas, re-signing, re-signing DeBonte, Campbell, Yep, and the draft capital, you know, not all from, but what they did with the starting draft capital capital was Quay Walker, Devonte Wyatt, defense, defense again. So the two biggest signings or re signings were defense. Their top two picks were defense, and then two um, second rounders for Christian and,
0: Watson. And I don't want to, I don't want to be too much so of a the, Debbie. Well, I, let me just say, I don't want to be okay. too much of a Debbie Downer. But what they got out of this off season. Is, so far, an overpaid linebacker in Campbell. A mediocre first-round pick in Quay Walker, who might be good, but he's not good right now. A guy who can't even get on the field in the first round, in Devontae Wyatt. They won't even play him. Even when he's healthy.
1: He seems to be over his quad injury now. That is good. But even when he's healthy,
0: they're not playing him. And then Christian Watson, who can't get on the field. And when he is, he's just a gadget guy. And then Rasul has been up and down. He's been better on the boundary than he has been inside. Right. But, I, I, So I would like to see them continue
1: what they did in the beginning of the game last yes, year in terms that's of their one of mine, s- defensive
0: back philosophy and, and be, staying aggressive. That's um, one of either, my notes as well. Either is in man is I, or zone. One of the things I want to see is I want to see them play more man like they did last week. Last week they played man coverage a lot more. It seemed like they put Jair Following Garrett Wilson, and he held him to essentially no catches in that in their co- in their one-on-one matchup, and it seemed like the defense was performing excellently in man coverage. They had that one blown coverage to Corey Davis that Eric Stokes blew, mm-hmm. but besides that, you know, I thought that the man provided a really nice change of just attitude to the defense. It seemed like they were being active as opposed to passive, and that's that's one of my. Pieces of my wish list is I I want them to stay playing man um, more in this game and playing man aggressively.
1: Yep, and I uh, more generally I just want to see the Packers smack a team around. Please, can we see the Packers beat a team convincingly? You and, and so you have a couple more I think specific notes on what you'd like to see. While well, I'm thinking more about what would make me feel good at the end of this game, it would be that they, they just crushed. A team that most people consider to be worse than them. See, instead of like even if they getting crush- ahead and then hanging on by their nails against the, this, is, which they did a lot, and it's like they'll they'll, they'll, they'll get the lead and then the kind of um, go into the doldrums and then eke out the win. But not this see, year. This year they're they're going they're, it's going for the loss. See, I don't
0: expect the packers to crush the commanders this weekend i i would be surprised i don't if expect they did. it i'm just but saying what i'm hoping for i know i'm and i'm hoping for more re- i think more realistic <laughs> process based things because i mean obviously i want the Packers like my wish list oh, is the yeah. packers go you, 19 you, and 0 like or 20 you have and some, you, right win every you game. that's what i wanted
1: to you go into some of the more your more specific points yes you had here
0: yeah and, and i i want the Packers to go 20 and oh and win every game and win the super bowl but i think for this week the other things that i want to see is i want to see the packers stay balanced on early downs We talked about this in a previous episode, but when they go pass-pass on early downs, on first and second down to start a drive, they are far more likely to go three and out. I want to see the Packers tackle better, like we've been saying. They have the 19th worst tackling grade in the league, and it's just not acceptable with the amount of talent and money invested and capital invested on this defense. And lastly, I want to see the Packers win the turnover battle. Per ESPN, last year, they were plus 13 in the turnover margin, which was the third best in the league over the course of the season. And this year, they're minus four, which is the sixth worst. Ouch. They're a bottom-tier team in terms of winning the turnover battle. And last year, the previous years under LaFleur, they had taken care of the ball so right. well. This is and one this of the big year, things. Come they're just just—they're terrible. They're giving it away left and right. They're fumbling on basic handoffs. Rodgers is throwing passes that I don't really understand what he's seeing on the play. I know it's hard when the O-line is crumbling into your lap on every other snap, but, I mean, guys are just not holding on to the ball. They're not forcing any turnovers. They're not making plays on the ball. I mean, that's yeah. those, I think, are the biggest things. And obviously, the number one is still the O-line needs to either change who's playing or really improve who's playing, and Stenovich needs to get back in that room. Um, Not like someone on Twitter, I I tweeted that and someone said, if you think that Stenovich is going to settle for a demotion, you're crazy. I'm not saying demote him to O-line coach. I'm saying he's still the offensive coordinator, but the part of the offense that is the biggest problem is the O-line. And that's what he's a specialist in. So work your magic, my guy, because we need you now.
1: Because, I mean, these guys, they they hop into multiple rooms, you know. Yeah. And, you know, the floor will go into the probably spends more time in the offensive rooms and then occasionally go to the defense when he feels the need. And the offensive coordinator should be going into the O-line room, the receiver room, the running back room, the quarterback room. His job is all of them. So you know, when your job is all of them, you look at what needs the most help. Right now, it's the O-line. And I thought of one more thing I'd like to see this week that I didn't actually get into the notes. Um, And I've been thinking about that we've been missing from this offense for a few weeks now. I want to see more passes over the middle we yes. had like doing short flats and boundary sideline and the we're just a, mostly been abandoning the center of the field. I'd like to see more crosses. I'd like us to, to start reusing those. We did it some of the early season with Dobbs and Watkins. I would like to see them use that portion of the, you know, intermediate and deep middle of the field again. And to I think try to part get of more more find more space and get more um run out yards after
0: the catch. And I think part of the problem is it's hard to hit these long developing crossing routes when you can't protect so you mean one point our guys can't run that far in 1.5 seconds i not with the guys we have on the field they're not running that fast um but yeah i totally agree it seems like tampa was the last time that they actually hit a guy in the middle of the field I, yeah, it's and those were they're were actually hitting some shot plays to the middle of the field, not deep middle, but like between the linebackers yeah, I mean, and the safeties. I'm I'm, and, I'm looking for something in like the ten to fifteen yard range. I think there's a soft spot that
1: we are not taking advantage of. We've kind of abandoned for like three weeks. It seems like
0: yeah, I, and we're and taking we're taking hitting, these deep shots yeah. down the sideline where all of our players are just getting pushed out of bounds. Like I'm not complaining about yep. not to complain about a call, but but they're getting like just shuffled out of bounds legally, and it's like what is the? I, I would love to know what the percent success rate is on that kind of play. Where it's and it's not even like our guy has beaten them yet. Rogers is throwing that before he's even passed him, and it seems like that is an <laughs> incompletion burned down every single time. And we I talked don't know about why, this in
1: yeah. the in the post game that like pass to Lazard. Requires an incredible amount of precision. It's like there's got to be everyone involved. That that window for a football to fit into was about the size of a football and a half, and then Lazard has to make this incredible catch to complete it. Can we not have everything be so hard?
0: And it's all that Uh, for thirty yards. But I'd also like
1: one thing. I'm hoping for, and we saw a lot of last week, is Tunyon, and I'd like to see him getting into the middle more. As well, And like going up the seam, we haven't seen much up the seam yet either, though this week they do have some good safety. So we'll, we'll see. How, I'm thinking more about uh, as a general plan to use more of the field and actually force the defense to cover the whole field instead of just out in the flat and against the boundary. I'd like to see us like stress the, stress the defense all over so they don't always know what's coming.
0: Yeah. But anyway, those are kind of the things that we feel like, at least I feel like I would need to see to feel better about the state of this team. I think even if the only thing that hits of these is the O-line, I will feel 90% better because I think that would fix so many problems.
1: If the O-line hits, they start putting it together that this, I think we'll actually see the offense starting to hum a little bit. Yes. Um, Even with, with um, very little else changing,
0: but I think that's the biggest thing that needs to change. But anyway, do you want to move on to our players to watch? You want to hit first?
1: Yeah, so the first one I have is Jenkins. I want to watch, see how he does. Last week he had a rough week, so how does he bounce back this week? Um, after having a rough week, when just two games ago he had a really nice was game against saying the Giants, it was his
0: best, best
1: game of the year. Yeah. So I want to see if he bounce back and has bounces back and has a good game, wherever he is, whether he's at you know guard or tackle. I want to, and then the other player I'm going to keep a little bit of eye on. Um, as Lazard, is he going to be peppered with more targets? And as a chain mover now, will he be getting more slot reps with Cobb hurt? Um, and you know, how how much are they going to going to try to um, use him? Will they? Um, will they just be spreading it around, like three targets each, or will they be? Will uh, Rodgers be concentrating on Lazard and and possibly Tunyon um, this week? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and my players to watch are number one is John Runyon. Can he bounce back after what I think was his worst game as a pro? His worst, his worst game as a Green Bay Packer. I think he he got bullied last week. I think a little bit, and he's been actually very solid, amazing, amazing for a sixth round pick. Like, talk about the value there. He's been excellent, but he needs to he needs a bounce back game, and it's another tough matchup. So we're gonna see. Um, besides that, uh, I have a couple Washington guys on my list. Uh, Brian Robinson, aka Bulletproof B Rob. Um, It is the home opener for him and just his second game back, uh, as we said, after being unfortunately shot in a attempted carjacking over the offseason. And I think if he gets started early, that's going to be a ton of momentum for the commanders and their fans and really help for the commanders home field advantage. Um, The other Washington player I want to keep my eye on is Antonio Gibson. Uh, Rivera said, like we said earlier, that they want to use him more this week and he's a really dynamic athlete he had over a thousand yards from scrimmage last year they just aren't using him as much this year but he can win a game like by he could be the number one option on it on a team in a given game and go for over 100 yards and a touchdown and really just take over a game if he's able to get the ball in space so he's the other one i'm keeping an eye on dad score prediction for this game so i'm going 17 10 packers relatively high scoring because
1: i don't really see you mean relatively (laughs) low scoring I mean, sorry. Maybe this be maybe it'll feel high, high scoring, scoring for after, the Packers. High scoring after last week, yeah. but yeah, relatively low scoring because of the pace of play and their efficiency. The, both of those numbers are low, so I don't expect them to be able to, uh, um, really put up big numbers yet. I think a lot of things have to get fixed to start going right for them to do that, and I I, I want to see the defense um, restrict Heineke and mm-hmm. do more of what they did against i want to see the the first half against the jets defense for the whole game yeah. and uh, that washington will struggle to struggle to score
0: yeah and i have the packers winning this game 13 to 10 if they lose this game i mean we're already kind of in a in a we're Panic in a mode. bad state already but it's it might be it might be time to start being like hey play the young guys but I think I have the Packers winning 13-10. to 10. I think it's going to be a really tight game. I think it's going to be unbearably close. I think it's going to be really ugly. <laughs> I think it's going to be a really ugly game. Um, but, yes, I have the Packers winning 13-10. to 10. But, anyway, thank you guys so much for coming and listening to the right. Father-Son Packers podcast. Dad, do you want to add one last thing?
1: Well, one thing to say is, um, you know, come give us a listen. Give us, you know, follow us on Twitter. Yep, um, I was just about to say on that. YouTube or Spotify. Yep, I was just about um, to say that.
0: If you like what you heard, we do pre games every Thursday, usually. Today we're doing Friday, post games every Sunday night or after the game if it's a Monday night. So please come give us a listen. Like my dad said, come give us a follow on Twitter at FatherSonPacker. Come subscribe to us on YouTube. Father, son Packers podcast it would really help our numbers and we would really appreciate it from that Twitter channel. We tweet out when we have new episodes, we tweet out interesting Packers related articles that we uh, have seen that we think you guys would like. We tweet out Packers news and our takes on that Packers news. We think it'd be a really nice resource for you guys to come give us a follow. It would also really help us out. We'd appreciate it. Furthermore, for the podcast, you can find us on Spotify, Apple podcasts, Amazon podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you can find us um, going forward. Yeah. We'll just keep doing these post games and pre games and we right. really appreciate you giving us a listen. Come listen to us Sunday night, hopefully after a Packers win. And Dad?
1: And we'll be and we'll be keeping our eyes out on the rumor mill on the, the rumor mill and uh, trade rumors and for those of you who uh, hate this sort of thing, well it's only 10 days left until the trade deadline. And then yeah. and then that'll quiet down for a while. Yes.
0: But anyway, until next time, go Pack go.
1: Go Pack go.